While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. Our last episode was a walk around the base of Curhee Mountain and a short exploration of the home sites, still sites, and cave sites. Of course, to get to that trail, you have to pass Camp Tekoa. And this is Moving Through Georgia with part two of our two-part episode on Curhee Mountain. Camp Tekoa was originally intended for the Georgia National Guard. Completed in 1940, it was also originally named Camp Robert Toombs, but it didn't hold that name for long. There are several stories about why the commanding officer, Colonel Robert Sink, petitioned the War Department to change the name of the camp. The first and most popular story involves a little superstition. Apparently, new recruits would travel to Tekoa by train, then pass the Tekoa Casket Company and a fairly large cemetery before arriving at Camp Tombs. It's likely that Colonel Sink took this into account, but naming army facilities after Confederate leaders was a problematic issue even in the 40s. Regulations on post names written after World War I specifically mentioned that Confederate leaders would be an option in a southern state. The War Department advised naming a facility after a significant person from the area in which the facility was located, but also took into account the men meant to live at that facility, specifically stating that names should be Federal commanders for camps of divisions from northern states and confederates for camps of divisions from southern states. One set of orders I looked at in 1917 listed the location of each facility and the states from which the men in that facility would come. After World War I, with improved transportation and the widening scope of the army and also increasing specialization, any facility might house troops from anywhere throughout the United States, north or south. A Georgia National Guard camp would, of course, be staffed by soldiers from Georgia alone. A training ground for paratroopers would involve men from anywhere, so the logic of the name change as the post moved into army hands does make sense. Just the fact that they changed the name from a prominent local person to prominent local geography indicates there was probably some politics involved. Either way, there was a war on, and it was time to train the men. Most of the information for this episode came from a few good books on the subject and a visit to the Curahee Military Museum in Tekoa. If you haven't considered visiting, there's quite a bit to see. They have some good exhibits on local history, a surprisingly large exhibit on the camp in World War II, and a very comprehensive exhibit on subsequent wars that Northeast Georgians had been involved in. So let's start with those units that trained at the base of Curahee Mountain. The National Guard unit based in Camp Tekoa was a medical detachment that was part of the 214th Artillery, which is now primarily based in Elberton. That unit did travel to Europe, but I wasn't able to locate many details on their specific contribution to the war. The 506th, sometimes called the 506th, after Colonel Robert Sink, their commander, was part of the 101st Airborne Division. 
After some grueling physical training at Currahee, the unit moved to Fort Benning in December of 1942, as the Tacoa location wasn't ideal for parachute training. One battalion moved to Benning by train. They were the lucky ones. Another battalion marched 120 miles to Atlanta before boarding a train, and a third battalion rode a train to Atlanta, then marched to Fort Benning, about 130 miles. Fort Benning meant parachute training, and after completing the five jumps necessary to certify as a parachutist, training at a few more locations followed before deployment overseas in 1943. In England, some of the men were housed in a converted stable. Those that didn't have room in the stable stayed in houses in the nearby village. A letter home from one of the residents is on display at the museum and describes life in the stable as a fairly pleasant experience. The actual stable has been relocated to the Tacoa Museum and is the centerpiece of their exhibit. It's very cool to walk through. The men parachuted into Normandy on D-Day, then jumped into Holland and then Belgium. This unit was also involved in the Siege of Bastogne in Belgium. This was a component of the Battle of the Bulge in December of 1944, and the airborne troops took some heavy casualties at that encounter. The 101st Airborne Division received the Presidential Unit Citation and added a streamer labeled Bastogne to their regimental colors. The boys who were trained in Tekoa carried the name Currahee throughout Europe, ending the war in Germany with the capture of Berchtesgaden. The 501st Parachute Infantry Regiment trained at Currahee under their commander, Howard Johnson. They also jumped at D-Day with the 101st Airborne and later participated in an Operation Market Garden, a combined airborne and ground assault on German positions in the Netherlands. They also fought at Bastogne, and then they were moved to protect part of Alsace from a German threat. The regiment was deactivated on their return to Georgia in August of 1945. The 511th Parachute Infantry Division took a different path. They ran up and down Currahee before being deployed to New Guinea and then the Philippines. In 1945, the regiment jumped into a Japanese POW camp and over 2,000 prisoners were freed. The 511 had more combat jumps than similar units in Europe and arguably were done under more challenging conditions. They were on occupation duty in Japan until 1949. And the last unit was the 517th Parachute Regimental Combat Team, formed in 1943 and comprised of infantry, field artillery, and engineers. This unit fought hard in Italy and parachuted into southern France as part of the D-Day invasion of Europe. The unit only lasted just under three years but saw heavy fighting and heavy casualties. Some other units also saw part of their training in Tekoa. In all, over 17,000 men trained in the area, running up and down Currahee Mountain in preparation for combat in Europe. You can visit Camp Tekoa today. It has one original building and several recreations. A C-47 aircraft, the type of plane that the paratroopers may have jumped from, is also being rebuilt on the grounds. And before we finish this history of Camp Tekoa, I just want to remind you that Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast focusing on Northeast Georgia. 
Any questions, comments, or criticism can be sent to movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. That's all one word. I would love to hear from you. After the war, the camp was no longer used for training. It became the Georgia Boys Industrial Institute. This was called the Boys Camp by locals, and this was a minimum security facility. The guards there didn't even carry guns. A primary occupation for those boys sentenced to that facility was dismantling the camp, including large slabs of concrete, which could be picked up by locals and used in their own building projects. One resident of that facility was James Brown, who was sent there in 1949. He was 16 years old. He spent some time working there, but eventually was released into the custody of a family in Tekoa, where he began singing with a band and, well, you know the rest. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an Edepherty gal to Georgia. That's all.